folks we are joined by ed thompson in this episode he is the founder of optimize addresses critical talent challenges that organizations face focusing on finding and retaining talent while fostering innovation optimize is founded on the belief substantiated through observation that addressing these challenges requires a deep understanding and accommodation of diverse thinking styles its mission with optimize is to provide solutions that enhance neuro inclusion aiding organizations in hiring untapped talent creating more inclusive workplaces and harnessing the power of true diversity of thought and as we prepare to delve into our conversation on the topic at hand neurodiversity and neuro inclusion and why does it matter to businesses here's an exciting twist first let us tickle the brain of our guest so ed get ready for a rapid fire round of random words i'll mention a few and i'd love to hear the first thing that comes to your mind in response without thinking much if you are ready let's dive in okay let me fire the first uh, word curiosity books invention brain future climate book dickens movie james bond food apple crumble aliens unknown <laughs> creativity people universe mind bending and the last one is leadership team building perfect thank you so much for participating in the first rapid fire round so sportively and there is one more waiting towards the end of the episode and folks welcome to the guiding voice podcast series where we embark on transformative conversations for a better future i'm your host navin samala dedicated to making the world a better place through valuable discussions that add value not only to your life but also to your career and thank you so much for tuning in here hearty welcome to the guiding voice and super excited to have you today as a guest and talk on this most important topic neurodiversity and neuro inclusion how are you doing today i'm doing well thank you for having me pleasure to be here Yeah pleasure to drive this conversation in fact i've been waiting for this episode to happen ever since i had a conversation with one of my friends uh, devi shobha because she has launched a summit recently i think you were one of the panel speakers there and before that also we have been talking about this topic but i didn't find many experts and you are the first one uh, to discuss this topic on the guiding us platform and i'm super excited So Ed let's uh, get into the conversation and get the ball rolling let's start with your success mantra so please share with us the top 3 things that have attributed to your success so far well i think i and optimize our company we we've had a pretty strong vision so that's going to be the the first vision mm-hmm. where organizing take this topic far more seriously Uh, a vision where people really feel comfortable talking about some of these differences and it's a normal thing it's a good thing to to do that and so i think that vision for me that the, the first one of course that didn't happen overnight so i'll give you two that sort of complement that i think patience and 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 determination as well a, a real belief that this is the right vision a vision that's going to make the world a better place going to make businesses more effective Uh, a determination to drive towards it and and so a patience and we've been doing this for 6 7 years now and i can tell you when we started you know, there's a handful of companies i mean literally fewer than that which i could count on one hand 
in the world who cared about this topic. Now that's changed a lot. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that needs some patience to, uh, to, to see that fruit. So kudos to your efforts and also congratulations to you and the entire optimized team for working on a cause which actually leads to inclusive workplaces and inclusive world. And I really appreciate and I salute you and your team. So keep up the great work. It needs a lot of uh, passion, commitment and most importantly, perseverance. Right. So I think uh, you guys have, uh, have been doing amazing and I wish you all the best on your future endeavors. So on that note, um, you said, okay, it's been like three, six to seven years ago. And before at that time, you had only handful less, handful of companies which have embraced this particular concept. And I'm sure that must have uh, led to a lot of uh, toughest lessons, right? So please share with us the top three or a few toughest lessons that you have learned as an entrepreneur. Well, I think I can relate to what I said before, that things don't always happen on your own timescale. And especially with something like this, where there is really a, a world kind of awareness curve building on, on this topic, you know, you, to some extent, and, and, and conversations like we're having today help to accelerate that, I think. But to some extent, you can't perfectly control that. And, and I think I'm the kind of person who, who, especially in business, I want to sort of do everything today. And, and, and sometimes I think you have to understand that there's a, there's a longer uh, time scale here and and really to start thinking about that longer scale and really embracing it and uh actually just as an aside i mean i i, I recently read uh, the biography of the guy who founded walmart in in the us and i i like business books and it was fascinating and this is somebody who who did this you know 60 70 years ago whatever it was he had this incredible kind of long-term thinking which is very un-21st century, where we think of business as being kind of, you know, it's all got to happen now or next year or it's too late. He wasn't doing that. And he was really thinking about, you know, how do they build, how do they build, how do they build? So I think that's a good lesson. Another one is, look, because of our mission, we have always attracted people who are very passionate about this topic. You know, Mm -hmm. that's great. But sometimes it doesn't always work out with good people who are well motivated. And that's kind of where I go back to the team building thing. Uh, There's no shortage of people who are talented and who are passionate about this topic. Uh, For us, we're a small company. It's just, you know, it's about just having the right uh, people in the right spots um, as, as, as we grow. So I think that's, that's been another lesson uh, as well. Mm -hmm. Impressive. And you, you are able to, beat all those odds and now are making good progress and uh, Ed, let's now start with the today's topic that is more about the neurodiversity and neuro inclusion so can you explain to our audience what does neurodiversity and neuro inclusion mean so maybe you can explain them in a layman terms if i may call it <laughs> yeah absolutely and, and i'll do it with, with a sort of view to the workplace which is where we focus so neurodiversity means in a sense, what it sounds like is that humans have different brains. There is no one normal brain. Everybody's brain is different. That's what neurodiversity means. That's just a fact of mm-hmm. humanity. And what that means is every team is neurodiverse in that it's not one brain shared by half the team. Everyone in the team thinks differently. Everyone in the team experiences the world differently differently processes information differently is going to have different preferences of how they like to work how they like to organize their work 
how they like to problem solve, how they like to communicate. That's just going to be a fact of any team. If you don't believe that and you're a manager, start asking your team about those things and, and you'll see it come to, come to life. So every team, every organization is neurodiverse. That's a fact. Now, what's happened at work is that we haven't been talking about this. And because we haven't been talking about it, we end up with norms. So we end up with the norm, for example, of an open plan office, the norm that we use a lot of interviews to assess candidates. Those are things that work for lots of people, but they don't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. And those norms can particularly disadvantage people such as autistic people, dyslexic people, uh, people who have ADHD and so on. People who have a particular sense of shared characteristics and experience within that bigger human neurodiverse world. People who can have particularly strong preferences when it comes to how they work, how they problem solve, how they communicate. And people who can find that some of those norms serve to exclude them so that's neurodiversity that's also neurodivergence divergence is that sort of collective uh, adjective for people who consider themselves to have some of those minority what we call neuro identities neuro inclusion really for neurodiversity inclusion is how do we change this how do we make sure every brain is included and accommodated for no that, that's so clear and I must admit I, I got to know about this neurodiversity through my friend I was mentioning about Devi Shobha Chandramauli who has uh, organized this inclusion summit recently. I have a curious question like why are we talking about neurodiversity now? Why not a few decades ago? Again in case if it has already started a few decades ago probably that's my ignorance but this is straight from my heart. Well, I think it's a wonderful question. And it's really, it's not just about a few decades. I mean, it look, it is a reality of humans and humans have been collaborating for thousands of years. Why now? Is it, I think it's a fascinating question. I think there's a few reasons for it. If we uh, go back to the last really 100 or so years, possibly 150, um, a lot of these brain differences started being noticed and then categorized by the medical profession. So a lot of those neurodivergent identities came about through the medical profession uh, defining, okay, here's a, here are people, and, and it was always done through negatives. Here are people who struggle with, with some of these things and you know, we're going to give them a, a label. There was, there was always less attention to some of the positive flip sides of, of those thinking styles. And what happened in the late 20th century, particularly the 1990s, as the internet evolved and Mm -hmm. and, and brought people connectivity, is you had a movement of neurodivergent people online talking with each other, essentially saying, the world doesn't understand people like us. And actually, we need, as humans, to reframe how we think about neurodivergence, and we need to promote, and it, the term was 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 coined uh, by observing these chat rooms at the time. Uh, ultimately, it became about we need to understand this idea of human neurodiversity. We all have different brains, autistic brains, and so on uh, exist within that wider uh, reality, and we need to reframe how we think about neurodivergent people. Neurodivergent people are not broken. 
they're not broken against sort of normal they're just different their own strengths uh, and so on so that movement i think we have to give credit for because mm-hmm. that movement is where a lot of these ideas came from and of course there's been a, a neurodiversity advocacy movement ever since so i think that they deserve a lot of credit for why we're talking about this now uh, but i think there's the factors as well uh, i i think more people being diagnosed has raised the understanding and appreciation of how many people are neurodivergent and current guesses are it might be 20% of people are neurodivergent in some way i think social media as well mm-hmm. has uh, given neurodivergent voices a lot of prominence mm-hmm. particularly when very famous and successful people will say on social media that they are neurodivergent and of course they may have faced challenges but often they'll say that their brain wiring has been a crucial ingredient of of their success and i think the last thing is the we're talking about the workplace the employer context if you like where i think organizations have been struggling to find talent uh, most surveys talent surveys the last 10 years will will tell you that the lifespan of companies is plummeting given the pace of change and innovation so there's this pressure within businesses to find solutions to that how do we track talent how do we keep them around how do we get the best out of them how do we innovate these priorities that to some extent used to be hr priorities really today are ceo priorities and i think that's also played into this interest and attention towards neurodiversity over the last 5 years or so mm-hmm. that is very clear it uh, and uh, you are a strong advocate for neurodiversity and neuro inclusion and in fact you and your organization is focusing on that now uh, educate us in terms of how businesses or organizations benefit from a more neurodiverse workforce well i think I, yes i think i i alluded to it just then and i can i can build on it uh, yeah really it's about fulfilling the talent goals that they already have mm-hmm. in or giving organizations new goals you look at what organizations care about they look, they care about keeping people around so they talk about well-being belonging and so on but to some extent that's because there's been a retention crisis within certainly the, the the corporate world over the last few years i think it's one in three one in four here in the us corporate employees will leave voluntarily every year that costs a lot of money to replace so mm. that is a a major goal and if you look at reasons why people leave work of course sometimes it's retirement or whatever right yeah. but a lot of the time it's I don't feel understood, I don't feel comfortable, I don't be, feel like people value my ideas, I don't think my manager understands me. A lot of the things that we hear from neurodivergent people in again what is a very big community. So not saying that's everybody, but I think we can point to that. Certainly when we interviewed neurodivergent professionals, we found many of them have experienced low sense of well-being, a low sense of belonging and and we've worked with organizations to help change that help people feel proud of the organization that they're working in and 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 see a benefit there around uh retention obviously teams are also looking at or leaders are also looking 
to things like pro productivity and innovation. So that's the kind of collaboration, the, the ways of working piece of, of neurodiversity. Now, it's not difficult to understand that if our teams are neurodiverse and people have different brains, and yet we've never been talking about that, we've probably not optimised their potential. So I'm always excited about neurodiversity and awareness of neurodiversity really creating a different kind of team. A team where we can talk about and surface some of these differences. We don't have to talk about labels. We don't have to say, are you autistic or I'm dyslexic, whatever. We can just talk about some of the different preferences we have in terms of how we work, preferences that relate to how our brains work. And we've seen uh, team productivity improve. We've seen neurodivergent people particularly bring uh, productivity and high performance to their teams. And we've seen examples of organizations harnessing different kinds of brains to solve challenges. So that's your productivity and innovation piece. So, and then of course, and I, I deliberately looked at last because I, I, I don't think it's necessarily as important as the others, but there is the piece of accessing talent. Mm -hmm. Not that it's not important, but I think sometimes people think because their perspective of neurodivergent people is of sort of young job seekers, I think people think that, you know, we don't have people like that already and, and how do we go and get them? Actually, again, teams are neurodiverse anyway with, yeah. with typically many neurodivergent people. But accessing talent, I, I, I think, is a big one. Again, I, I, I mentioned this earlier. Organisations struggle with that and a lot of the time I think they can struggle with it partly because they are unintentionally excluding people who think differently. So I know we've talked today a little bit about uh, hiring. There's lots of ways that that can be changed so we mm -hmm. can just open up that talent funnel for mm -hmm. the 100% and not just the 80%. Yeah. It, it, uh, a while ago, you mentioned that uh, these people may be leaving the organizations within a span of one year. That could be one challenge. Again, could be because of various reasons. Maybe their voices are not heard or they're not treated well or they're not listened to. It could be anything. So now let's talk about how to do this neuro inclusion well and where it can go wrong when it comes to hiring, communication and also well-being. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge question. I, I, I think it can... It goes wrong. I mean, it either doesn't happen or it goes wrong right at the beginning with the misconceptions people have about this topic. Mm -hmm. I think you have to you have to start there. There's misconceptions people have that are, for example, we don't have anybody like that here. So their 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 misconception is that neurodiversity equals autism and their misconception is because nobody's openly disclosing that they have an entirely what we would call neurotypical Team, which is almost like almost certainly complete fantasy. Sadly, 90% of neurodivergent people typically disclose at work, partly because of those misconceptions and the problematic cultural context that they may be disclosing into. Mm -hmm. if, if you uh, are disclosing into a world whereas we find with our surveys, maybe about 60% of people don't know what neurodiversity is not difficult to think how you might conclude well actually that's a bit of a risk i'm just going to keep quiet and i'm going to pretend to be neurotypical much as that's a huge 
stress on my mental health and uh, my productivity and so on. It's preferable sometimes to sharing this and fearing that you're going to be judged, fearing that you know people aren't going to know uh, how to how to respond. So those misconceptions can be problematic. I think they can stop people disclosing. They can also stop action being taken because mm -hmm. there's a misconception that everything's fine, mm -hmm. right? And sadly, with this topic, and we found this with interviewing neurodivergent people, a lot of the problems are shouldered by those individuals. You know, the, yeah. the organization missing out on talent. They might not necessarily know this is why, but the person who... Uh, finds that they're interviewed by people who clearly don't know anything about neurodiversity and who punish them for, um, you know, slightly atypical body language or whatever. You know, that's something that they're shouldering. The, the person who's having to mask at work and pretend to be neurotypical, that's a burden that they're shouldering. And, you know, occasionally it bubbles up and occasionally there were some lawsuits recently in the UK of, of employers uh, being sued and, and in fact being sued successfully. For, for not supporting neurodivergent employees. Uh, sometimes neurodivergent employees will you know, openly say that they're leaving because they don't feel that they've been included. But yeah. a lot of the time, this stuff is kind of existing below the surface, you know, sadly, for the people who are having to, uh, to, to shoulder that. So, so I think that misconception that you know, this this isn't really anything to do with us is is a, is a huge one that that stops things going well. And I'll I'll talk about another one. I think there's a a, a misconception that mm -hmm. neurodiversity only means autism, dyslexia, mm. dyspraxia, and so on. Um, and, and and to some extent, it only means or, or the inclusion of it only means when somebody puts their hand up and says, "Hello, I'm autistic." that's when, okay, now, you know, now there's loads of things we need to change and to, and to be inclusive. And again, you know, there's lots of problems with that. Uh, there's the uh, fact that, again, humans are neurodiverse. So, you know, lots of people have different traits, different thinking styles that we can uh, better accommodate if we are a little bit more proactive. Um, again, 90% of people don't disclose. So if we're waiting only for people to put their hand up and say, hi, I'm dyslexic and I need some support. You know, we're talking probably 10% max of the people we could potentially support. What we find uh, at Optimize is we have to be a little bit more proactive than that. We have to, and if this is where it goes, we talk about how to do it well, you really have to build uh, awareness and we have to build some tactical competency uh, for people and then in tech and, and process as well really off the bat so let's commit to look we know our team is neurodiverse in a sense it doesn't matter exactly who's who or who's willing to share what let's make an effort to uh, embrace this let's make an effort all of us to learn that we all think differently and that's a context where people feel more comfortable yeah. that's a context where everybody can receive proactive support you know you, it's not reliant on disclosure and then eventually, if somebody does have a very specific need or preference, it's a much more positive context to share with a colleague or manager and say, actually, look, I know the company's really, you know, enthusiastic about neurodiversity. Well, you know, I haven't told you this, but I'm dyspraxic and, you know, here's something I'd like you to do with the spreadsheet we work on that would, that would make my life easier. It, it's just going to make those conversations uh, more successful, I think. Yeah.
I think it's not just about hiring, but we have to sustain, right? That that is the most important thing, and uh, yeah. and you have, have to people yeah. who are neurodivergent in your team anyway. You have neurodiverse team anyway. Yeah, and and organizations should also commit by spirit, not just by letter, and just don't do it because I need to tick that particular mark. Okay, I need to include somebody from this particular sect or segment to be yeah. part of that, right? Then it won't work. All right, so. Ed, okay. now let's talk about uh, some strategies for neuro inclusive hiring since you support organizations in that aspect right so could you share certain strategies for, for uh, on this uh, particular topic yeah let me take a, a, a couple to start with um one is a little bit more at the organizational level and mm-hmm. one is more at the maybe hiring manager level yeah at the organizational level we often hear neurodivergent professionals say that they don't see employers advertise their enthusiasm for this topic that they'll see organizations say we want to be really diverse want to be really inclusive they'll rarely see any mention of neurodiversity or you know we welcome people with different thinking styles that sort of messaging and i think that sort of messaging obviously if if grounded in fact uh, can be very powerful in attracting people who may otherwise think do they really want people like me do they really understand or care about people like me So that's the first one. And the second one at a more hiring manager level or recruiter level is really being intentional. Now, that idea of intentional hiring is something that's a, a big topic in the hiring community in general. Uh, today I think rightly so I think it's incredibly important when it comes to neuroinclusive hiring. So what's meant by that is when you're hiring really stopping and thinking about what are the specific outcomes the role should be generating and then what are the skills what's the experience that is likely to enable somebody to achieve those outcomes if we do that we can then start thinking quite uh, scientifically about assessment so okay well if these are the skills we want how are we going to assess those let's let's not necessarily just rely on verbal interviews if the skills we're looking for are are, are significantly you know in another direction maybe we'll use a, an interview as part of this but it, it's not going to be the only thing it also helps us avoid what happens a lot which is just the reusing of old job descriptions that you know may have requirements in them that aren't really needed for the skills and experience profile that we've now defined and and more literal thinkers might look at some of those and think well okay well that's not really me so i'm not going to apply so we can unintentionally exclude people uh like that so that's a sort of foundational uh piece for the organization and then for uh hiring managers of course then you know, something like interviews uh, very important that people are trained uh, people are aware of neurodiversity interviewers can check some of their biases Uh, are able to ask questions effectively mm-hmm. uh, and so on and that and that's some of the stuff that that we train got it and yet can you also talk about a few companies who have done very well in, in this space in terms of hi- hiring new neuro- neurodivergent people and also being a, treated as a neuro inclusive organization kind of yes yeah, a few i i think you know, microsoft have been a, a pioneer specifically of hiring and, mm-hmm. and 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 have done a lot of work uh there and 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 made some interesting innovations to some of their hiring processes for that program 
And uh, I, I always like uh, some of the stuff they've done around uh, connecting with neurodivergent applicants. I think they've really made uh, an effort to provide candidate connectivity in, in different formats, for example, uh, dedicated emails for, for candidates who are just kind of curious about some of the opportunities they have. We work with some organizations that have maybe done this a bit more holistically as well. And so I would mention IBM. Now, IBM have a very long history of disability inclusion, pretty good evidence that at least one of IBM's founders was neurodivergent uh, himself. Um, one of the things they've done very well, I think, is really empower their internal neurodivergent community. The, the program is led by a representative of that community. The training that we provide is one of the many resources they offer. So it's a very kind of rounded support. I think what that ends up with is the commitment to neurodiversity at IBM just being very clear. Mm -hmm. And one more, Salesforce, I think a, a great company in this field, very, very strong uh, on accessibility, disability, and now neurodiversity inclusion uh, as well. Um, again, a very empowered internal community. I think there's really good, a, a good sense that Salesforce, that they're on a journey with this topic, you know, that they're that they don't expect to be experts on day one, but it's a it's a long-term commitment to being as inclusive as they possibly can and, and ultimately leaving no stone unturned uh on, on that journey. And you know, and I, I I give them a lot of credit for that. Awesome. Thank you. To, thank you for sharing these amazing insights. And uh, it's time for us to add some more excitement and some more fun to the episode. So I would like to bring in the second rapid fire questions. Uh, if you are ready, let's go ahead. <laughs> okay, let me fire the first bullet out of the second rapid fire round, Ed. If you could have one gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? I think it would, of course, I'm going to promote the idea of neurodiversity. So I think it would be, mate, let's say Times Square, take over Times Square. I think it would have a lot of different pictures of people and brains, and it would say something like, we all think differently. Wow. Superb. And uh, what is one thing you are really bad at that you wish you were good or better at? <laughs> this could be a this could be a podcast in, in, in itself, you know, <laughs> if we went through one of these things. Um, many things. Uh, I'm going to say taking vacations. <laughs> Hopeless, and uh, I wish I wish I I wish I took more breaks. I think it's important, but uh, yeah. that's not one of my strengths. Yeah, I think it is very important to have that particular break. <laughs> okay, switch off. Yeah, switch off. <laughs> yeah, and I wish you good luck in 2024. Please describe yourself in just one word. Uh, curious. And what is your favorite thing about living in the current exciting times, the 21st century? Well, as uh, English person living in the US, it's probably connectivity. Look, look at the conversation we're having today. I, I, I think the ability to be based anywhere and yeah. yet maintain connectivity with the business world and with your family and friends, I'm absolutely huge uh, for me. So I, I think I'm going to go with that, that. The fact that, you know, my birthday yesterday and I get lots of you know messages and you know i can i can connect with people even though i'm on the other side of the world yeah yeah that, that's great i agree with you and uh, let's move forward to the next one if you could have any superpower what would it be and why well so, i mean i suppose there's probably one i could a, a better one i could think of here about uh you know what impact it could make on the world but uh, a selfish one kind of similar reasons probably be teleportation if i could uh 
I could drop myself back in South London, uh, at, you know, at the drop of a hat, that would be quite handy. <laughs> and last one for the rapid fire, what is one fantasy gadget or an electronic gadget that you'd like to see or invent yourself? Well, I don't know. You could probably you could probably do this. There's a bit of a vague answer, but I, it would be great to have. I, I'm not I'm not great at kind of organizing my photos. You know, I get a new phone and I, I lose half my photos. And you know, it be, it'd be great to kind of have something where you know you you had more of kind of like a memory bank and and you could really kind of just build this kind of deep memory bank of everything you you've done in kind of in one place, which I feel like modern technology sort of does but doesn't make that easy mm. <laughs> interesting one uh, yeah done think um, yeah that's a great idea in fact somebody can pick it up as a startup idea as well and yeah <laughs> yeah it's just there's so many devices and so many tools and you know we end up having something here and something there and right it happens with me as well like uh, some of them are on iCloud some of them are on Google Cloud like we, we get uh, bombarded with all these things and uh, we can't be be, the, uh, be on a single platform okay where everything is consolidated that's the problem with uh, so many tools available right so yeah i think uh, we need one tool perfect so that's a great rapid fire let's flip back to the mainstream and ed what will be your one piece of advice to those aspiring to make big in their careers well i uh, first of all i would say what does what does you know making big in your career mean if you're just thinking about making money I would say in my experience nothing makes you happier than social impact and 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 I think the experience as well of of some of my my friends uh, making an impact in the world is something that gives you a sense of satisfaction and purpose every day so I would question or or I would I would encourage you to question you know, what what are your aspirations and and why are they why are they your aspirations and and are they aspirations that you really want to uh commit to and i think whatever they are um seeing everything as a as a learning opportunity is is really important um particularly early in your career don't beat yourself up if you're not where you want to be immediately the key thing is you're learning even if you 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 take a job you you do it for a couple of years and you learn that you don't want to do anything like that ever again that's helpful so build on that see it as a learning opportunity and 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 do something different amazing actually it has uh, reminiscized my own uh, stuff like the guiding voice though i haven't monetized yet the kind of impact right that is actually propelling me move forward and it gives me immense satisfaction because at times i get messages from our community members saying that hey you know this particular conversation was helpful it was an eye opener and my perspective changed or i was able to get into my dream job right those things will give you immense kick right which money may not be able to give but money will follow eventually as long as you are able to create an impact yeah such a powerful note yet i think you have authored a book on neurodiversity and neuro inclusion a hidden force so could you talk to our audience about the book and where can they buy yes absolutely the the book is called a hidden force unlocking the potential of neurodiversity at work it's really everything that i've learned and feel passionate about when it comes to neurodiversity at work in business that's kind of the 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 focus it really looks to answer questions that i've been aware of. i didn't know the answer to not long ago and and i think everybody does need to know the answer to, you know what is this we talked about this a little bit today but i really tried to bring in lots of different neurodivergent voices to 
to give people a sense of what's it like to have a slightly less common thinking style, the, the strengths of that as well, and some of the barriers that people can face uh, at work. Uh, why are we talking about it now? I, I go into a little bit more detail, a little bit more history around neurodiversity as a human thing and why uh, it's only the 21st century where we're starting to uh, embrace that. And then crucially, and we really just touched on, on, you know, we're just touching on this today. What can you do? What can you do as a colleague? What can you do as a manager to be more neuroinclusive? And then how can you bring this topic to your organization? If you're one of the first people to to realize how important this is, how can you, you know, start advocating for it uh, in in your organization. So it, it's deliberately accessible. It, it's something that I want everybody to read, everybody with an interest in in doing better business to to read and then, you know, have some actionable takeaways from. Excellent, Ed. And thank you so much for sharing that. And for those of you who have tuned into this episode, you'll find the link to Ed Thompson's book, A Hidden Force. It is available in the show notes. So please grab a copy and get his wisdom directly. And I wish you all the best in terms of driving this neurodiversity and neuroinclusion workforce. And Ed, thank you once again for sharing the details about the book. And uh, Ed, how is your experience being hosted on the Guiding Voice platform? It's been great. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, totally what you just described uh, resonates with me. I, I think it's in the end quite addictive to, to <laughs> see if you are having an impact in the world, however small uh, it's something that you want to see more and more of and 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 can become and i think should become uh, a guiding light in in your career not just uh, you know building personal wealth absolutely concur with you and thank you so much it was such a pleasure talking to you and thank you once again for being part of the show and sharing amazing insights by spending your valuable time with us and uh, looking forward to having you again in future on the guiding west platform thank you so friends, that was our episode with Ed Thompson, who is the founder of Optimize. And before we jump into the fun trivia section, we have a quick request. If you haven't already subscribed to the Guiding Voice podcast, please subscribe because subscribing keeps you updated on new episodes. And also, if you have enjoyed this conversation and found it beneficial, please share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who would also like the Guiding Voice. and. Uh, Spread the knowledge and help others grow just like you. It, it also helps us create more content for you and our growing community. So now let's hop into the trivia segment of today's episode. So today's trivia is about some least known facts about neurodiversity. And I would give you some information which will complement what Yed has already shared with us. So first one is origins in autism advocacy. Neurodiversity was initially developed by the autism community, particularly autistic individuals themselves. It asserts that autism is not a disorder, but a natural neurological variation in humans. And second one is about strengths-based perspective. Neurodiversity emphasizes the strengths and abilities of neurodivergent individuals focusing on their assets rather than just their challenges. And this perspective promotes the idea that neurodiversity can be an asset in various contexts. And third is neurodiversity in art and culture. Neurodivergent individuals often excel in creative fields and their unique perspectives can lead to groundbreaking art, literature and cultural contributions. And some neurodivergent artists and authors are gaining recognition for their work, highlighting the creative potential within neurodiversity. 
so that's it from my side from the neurodiversity and neuro inclusion perspective and now i would love to hear from you what are some of the strategies that are working for you or within your organization with regard to neurodiversity and neuro inclusive hiring please let me know and also if you are aware of any other facts related to neurodiversity please have them come through if you are watching it on youtube you can comment there directly or if, or if you have found this episode on some social media platform you can comment there as well i'm going to review them for sure that's it for today's episode and thank you so much for tuning in and also for being part of our awesome tgv community folks we would love to hear from you so do not hesitate to share your ideas feedback topic recommendations and also guest speaker suggestions either through social media platforms or you can also email me at the guiding voice for you at gmail.com so let's create content that resonates with you i'm your host navin samala a lifelong learner and my goal is to have impactful conversations that not only improve your life but also your career stay connected as we journey together and until next time take care stay inspired and remember the future holds great things because the best is yet to come goodbye for now Take care and see you all in the next episode with another amazing guest.